Hey, it's the Wheelhouse Podcast, where we talk about what's in my wheelhouse and maybe in yours too. This week, I'm catching up with Andrew Murray, once again, doing our lines, reviewing last week. Uh, it's been kind of crazy around here <laughs> in my apartment. Um, had a water leak this week, and uh, it's been a saga of getting wall removed, wall replaced, but it looks like today it got replaced, just drying actually as I speak. And then I'll have carpet cleaners. So we'll see how that goes. Um, had planned to do some other things for this particular podcast, but it didn't work out because of uh, what I've been going through. My room has basically not been uh, usable as a studio. I'm actually finishing off recording this in my living room. Hopefully there's not too much background noise. Um, but I hope you enjoy this conversation with Andrew and uh, enjoy week seven's games. That said, here's Andrew. All right, Andrew, we're back here after week six. Uh, one of the crazier weeks, actually, in the last couple of years here. It's kind of a loaded one, but let's just let's just get into it. Fourth downs. What the hell happened this week? I don't know if there was an agenda with fourth downs. It didn't feel like it. It felt like a lot of people who were on brand with their fourth down philosophy. Anyways, not knowing what to do with it or going forward for no apparent reason whatsoever. Um, this has been an evolution and a very hard one for a lot of coaches to adjust to in terms of why they go for fourth down. I'm not sure if a lot of teams understand the exact purposes of the fourth down beyond analytics. Um, I feel like there were a lot of situational things that just kind of went discombobulated for a lot of teams and that didn't understand the situation or the personnel that was on the field that could have either benefited them in their fourth down situation or not. Um, there are some that I'm glad that they went for fourth down and, and they didn't get and others that I wish they'd gone for fourth down. They didn't. And there's other teams that I wish didn't go for fourth down. They did anyways. Um, yeah, it was a complete mess. Yeah, I kind of feel like Urban Meyer over in London. He must have jet lag during his game or he must have been watching twerk videos on TikTok because it didn't feel like he was watching his own damn ball club play. I mean, some of the fourth down decisions he made just really uh, at times just really did not make sense. And Miami was just happy to try to find a way to give the game away anyway. So they walked away with the win. But I mean, several teams just it's like it kind of feels like the three pointing or the three point phenomena in the NBA, you know? So like for years, everybody was like, you can't win with threes. You live by the three, you die by the three. Right. And then, you know, the warriors come along and they kind of perfect that game. Right. But they're unique, right? They're a unique ball club. But now I feel like everyone in the NBA tries to shoot threes, even though their players are not really three point shooters. They're just doing it because it's a trend. Right. And I feel like going for it on fourth down has finally become a trend after I've been watching this game for the last 21 seasons, you know, 10 years ago, I think, it, I think it was 10 years ago this season, Belichick did the infamous going for it on fourth down versus Peyton Manning got lambasted because it didn't work out. And Peyton Manning, you know, went down and scored and won the game. Well, that was the correct move in understanding the game because he knew had he converted that fourth down, you don't give the ball back to Manning, right? He understood his defense couldn't stop Manning versus everyone going for it now. You know, 
some of them do understand. And we can talk about some of the teams that this past, you know, week of games did understand it. You know, after looking at it a couple of times, I'd say the Buffalo Bills, even though they lost on fourth down, I understand why they went for it. Right. They had the right kind of players and personnel and they had a very potent offense. It gets a very bad defense. It just didn't work this time. Right. But had they gotten it, obviously we would be talking about it way differently. So I understand that one. But why don't you tell me about the Chargers? Because I think you and I kind of see it a little bit differently and disagree. But um, I think they're a good good team to look at that was going forward on fourth down. Yeah. So coming into their match with Baltimore, they were seven for eight on fourth down, which is an insane clip mm-hmm. um, for the, already to have gone for it that many times this early in the season and for them to convert it at such regularity was pretty astounding. And the reason for why they went for fourth down on so many cases in their own territory or at midfield most of the time, and then a couple times inside the opponent's 20 yard line is because Brandon Staley squarely believes in putting the ball in the, the in ball in the player's best hands. And that's Justin Herbert. And when you have a guy like that, who is playing as well as he has been the last three weeks and in general, why wouldn't you? I mean, his, his idea and his philosophy is to give it to the ball to him at all optimal points in order to continue the game flow. And a lot of times, I mean, it's paid off. It's absolutely paid off every time that he's done it. Now, in the case of the Baltimore Ravens game, the reason that he went for fourth down early on is because, or later on, I should say, maybe in the second quarter or third quarter and on is because his team was getting routinely beat um, on defense. Defense was gassed. He had punted three times in a row. And at some point, I think he just said, look, they have to go for it. Otherwise, this game is just completely done because it like similar to the situation with Belichick and Manning, where Belichick's like, I'm not giving the ball back to them. My defense can't stop them. And I think the same thing was sort of in Staley's head as well, uh, that his defense was just completely gassed. So why get run up and down the field a couple more times? What is that going to do? So now I know it was in their own territory and it was on the 19 yard line and they failed. That was an operational thing. That was not a bad decision play. That was the team just didn't play well on offense. They were completely and they were completely flat the entire game. Herbert was flat. Receivers were dropping balls. Run game never got going. That was just an operational failure, not a decisional ineptitude by the head coach. Um, To me, that that spoke more so instead of it being about a desperate play. I mean, it kind of was a desperate play, but it was a desperate play that made sense because of who had a better chance of getting them back into the game and giving an yeah. opportunity to Herbert. Yeah. I still don't really like, I, I think that one, they were like inside their own 30 or something like that. I yeah, think they're on it their was own uh, 18. Yeah. Yeah. Was it second quarter on that one? I think it was the third. I had to double check, but third. I'm pretty sure. And, and at that point they were already down two or three scores that maybe in two scores, but they were already kind yeah. of getting beat. So I get it. Like I get the thinking, I guess. And maybe I'm just this because I've been watching longer now and I'm a little bit older now, I guess I wouldn't go for it right there. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but if you don't convert right there and you really haven't gotten it going all day and you've been failing operationally all day at executing, I guess I'd rather make them work for the seven, you know, the six points rather than giving it to them on your own 19. Um, but I mean, I guess that's, uh, I think we can have a discussion about that. Like I get that, but some of these other egregious fourth down calls 
during the week. I just, it's like these coaches didn't even watch their own ball clubs play, you know? Um, I think the Buffalo one, you know, I didn't see it live. I don't know if you did, I did, but I didn't mm-hmm. see it live. Okay. So then tell me what you thought in a second here when you, you know, live, but you know, not seeing it live and then, you know, at first reacting to it and then actually going back and looking at it like, yeah, it makes you kind of sick that they didn't get it. Or like, you know, if you're a Bills fan, you must be sick. You didn't get it. But I get going for it because you have Josh Allen, right? Mm-hmm. You have this very potent offense. They were scoring a lot of points, you know, and, you know, and the thing about overtime is like, you know, it's 50, 50, you're going to get the ball. And if mm-hmm. Tennessee gets the ball the first time, you know, uh, that would have been, that would have been a, uh, that'd been a tough beat, you know? <laughs> so part of me conservatively wants to say like, no, just take the field goal and live, you know, another play. Right. But then at the same time, like I get it like that one, like, I think it's de- not only defensible, like I understand it. You can have a difference of philosophy, but like, I get it. Right. I pro me personally, I probably would have just taken the three points. Maybe that's wrong statistically or whatever, but I probably would have taken the 10 point or the taken the tie gone into overtime see what happens, but, um, I understand it. Yeah. I, I don't fault them at all for going for it. And here's why too. Well, there's yeah. a couple, couple reasons. One, the Titans had scored six straight times at that point. That defense was not stopping them. And I think if they got, gave him the ball and ha- and in overtime, it was going to be over. I really believe that, uh, AJ Brown was running loose. Derrick Henry gets stronger as the game goes along. Um, the Titans were operating at a very efficient clip. And I don't think that was going to yeah. be slowed down in overtime. So you're, it is a coin. T- it is literally a coin flip as far as them yeah. winning that game at that point. The second point being is that they've succeeded in that situation. The bills have 90% of the time and you've got Josh Allen, who is a big six foot five uh, hulking quarterback who runs for a living anyways, recklessly at times, but is still hard to bring down. And it's a QB. It's a fourth and one. And it's a QB sneak, which Everyone, I I feel like I talked to you says you do it in that situation. You go for a sneak and it's automatic. The problem yeah. was the footing was terrible because the field is not in good condition. And Jeffrey Simmons made an incredible play to split the gap and get him. So I I, I still look at that and go that was a great play. I still would have done it, and I yeah. still would have. And because then you get yourself what three shots of the end zone, and then if it doesn't work, you kick the field goal. Fine, but like. You know, I, I'd rather put that pressure on Tennessee's defense and their DBs. So I, yeah. I, I, I do not fault them. It's, it's a tough one. It really is because ultimately they lost the game. So it's, it's fair to question it. Absolutely. Um, I personally had no problem with it whatsoever in that case because you had Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, know. I don't have a problem with it or question it. I think I would have gone for the field goal personally, but I get why they did what they did. You know, um, and and clearly they were thinking what you were, what you're saying, which is they just scored in the last six possessions straight. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we're not gonna, you know, we're probably not going to stop them if they get the ball here. So I get it. Well, before we move on here, do you want to, do you want to stay on the Chargers corner here? Anything you want to talk about, about uh, your Chargers here now they're on a bye week. So a couple, uh, yeah, a couple things that have been um, done. So, so far, the biggest things going to the, to the bye week, uh, to address after the, um, not just the Ravens debacle, but really some other things that were kind of glaring on this team in general. Um, I would say the three big wish list items from a lot of people was, um, to well, get healthy. That was, that was one, 
to find a new kicker and three um, to <laughs> trade for a defensive tackle. Now something happened today that was not one of those three, but still very important. Uh, they signed, so they went out and signed uh, former Texans wide receiver, Andre Roberts, who is a pro bowl punt and kick returner. Um, the Chargers special teams obviously has not been um, a gold standard in the last 10 years. And one thing that was really deficient for them was the return game. Um, and especially this year, the KJ Hill and um, Larry Roundtree had been put back on returns and just were not getting it done. Um, Brandon Staley actually said in on Monday that, and this is a quote from Daniel Popper of the athletic. He basically quoted him saying, in the kicking game, we can't ask Justin to go 84 yards because the ball is on the 16 yard line because we had a bad return. And now the crowd is going crazy, which is yeah. completely fair. Like, look, they've, they've been operating very well on offense and they've had a lot of good things doing, but at some point you can't keep asking your team to do that over and over and over again, which is also factoring into some of those fourth down decisions. I'm sure too. Cause they're like, God, yeah. we're backed up again. We got to do something. And I think that's part of it. So Fixing the return game has been a, a big thing for them as well. Um, we'll see what Roberts brings to the table, but I mean, I'm sure if the fact that he has experience and has done it, at least at a, at a, you know, proficient level yeah. in some respect may, may end up helping them. So I think that's a big thing for them. But as far as the kicker thing goes, it'll be interesting because Dustin Hopkins got cut by the, um, the Washington football team. And there's some guys out there. Uh, that they could sign. So we'll monitor that. Um, I'll monitor that. I'll see what happens, but it, there's going to be some changes during the bye week I feel like, and this is the first one. So Staley's not afraid. He, he, he speaks very well and very articulately, but I know in the back of his head, he thinks about this stuff all the time. Um, and is very cognizant of the issues that are on the team. Some that he can fix maybe in the short term, some that he might realize can't be fixed until in the long term. but he's, I think this is a sign that he is trying to be proactive in fixing those. Yeah. So two follow-up things. One, it definitely feels like this off season, what the big, one of the biggest things the Chargers really need to fix. If they really want to be a super bowl contender, let's say they don't win it. They got to fix the special teams because it feels like they're a bottom five special teams club right now based on their decisions. They clearly don't have any faith in their kicking game. Like you (laughs) mentioned, the kick return is awful. Um, punting is not, you know, especially special. They need to have at least a competitive special team. So I got to address that. Now you mentioned Hopkins was cut and he's, he was projected early on to be, uh, one of the bigger free agent kickers, uh, this upcoming off season. Is that mm-hmm. somebody you think the chargers actually might go for it? Or do you feel like they're going to look in another direction? I mean, it's worth trying, trying him out. I don't know if that's ultimately who they go with, but it's worth bringing right. him in and see what he can do. I mean, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. They tried to give honey money badger a chance this summer and actually he kicked fairly well, but they still liked Vizcano more. And I totally get it. Cause bat Badgley had not been performing well the last two years. Um, yeah. even though now he think he's, he got promoted to someone's roster today. I have to double check, but he, he got uh, signed on by somebody to the 53 man roster. But yeah, I mean, they're, they really, they still need an overhaul. And that's the thing like this, when it's your, your special teams unit is historically bad. You're not going to fix it in one off season. Um, I think they've done a lot to try and address certain areas and obviously they have a new special teams coach and different philosophy around it and all that, but it's going to take time to fix all of these things. Um, yeah. 
But I mean, and, you can. I think you can draft for it. I think you can bring in a better coach. I think you can. I mean, starts by getting a kicker you can trust. I mean, yeah, that, that solve a lot of your problems. Yeah, they may have to draft one. Honestly, at this point, they may yeah. have to draft, which they don't like doing, and they don't haven't done since, I believe, Nate Kading's the last guy they drafted back in 2004 um, at kicker. So it it depends on whether they do that or if they go in another direction. But yeah, I think I will say I think special teams coverage, the kickoff return and and punt coverage has been okay. Punting has been fine, which at this point I'll take. Um, so, but there's still those two other areas that have been dragging them down, uh, in, in other aspects. And yeah, that, that's something that can't, they can't be kept, can't keep being set behind the eight ball with every single game. Okay. Well, why don't we get into our week seven lines here? Mm -hmm. Lines are by bet online AG right now. We got the bills, Vikings, chargers, Cowboys, Steelers, and Jags on their bye week. Uh, we got our normal splits, Andrew, but I, uh, just for fun, renamed them a little bit this time. So our main line uh, or our main games for this week, the uh, degenerate Palooza got a couple games here for you. I'll read them off for you and give you my thoughts and then you can respond. All right. Thursday, 5:20 PM Broncos at Browns Browns minus one and a half over under 41. No Chubb hunts on IR. The starting running backs are as follows. Dearness Johnson, who has played decently in limited time. He's been given. He actually might be like a good fantasy play this week just because they're going to depend on him, I think, pretty heavily with the those two studs out. I'm actually liking him to help the Browns win in cover, especially only given that it's a point and a half now and it's against the world's greatest smoke machine, which we saw against the Raiders that had every excuse to lose last week after everything they've been through. We'll talk about them later. They also have this rookie, uh, Demetric Felton. He's going to be their change of pace guy. Um, he's got pretty good receiving skills. Now, Baker is out. This broke today before you and I got together for this podcast. So the line uh, you and I texted earlier before the podcast the line started at minus three and a half for the Browns. It went down two points. Now they're putting in case Keenum. I really don't think this is a significant drop off. And I think this is the most interesting game to watch of the week. Is Baker worth 30 million a year? Is he worth two points? <laughs> Hell no. Vegas is betting on, though, that the public thinks that. And we'll go with the Broncos, right? Mm -hmm. So I would really be looking at, I haven't looked at, you know, the money, you know, what's how the public's been spending, you know, but I, I like the Browns even more. And you're telling me that the Browns are only given a point and a half. Give me the Browns. Okay. Look, not in any reality. Could Dr. Strange find a reality where Baker's worth two points, take the Browns and uh, Keenum's on the case here. <laughs> wow. Um, the fact that I've significantly followed all of the backup players for the Browns says a lot. Um, I, I, I can, I can attest. Why to do I know so much about the Browns, Andrew? Why do, why? Why do I, why do I know so much about the Browns backup players? Uh, they, I, oh, they I, haven't but, done anything meaningful well, in my entire life. Finally last year, but they, um, the thing is why though, <laughs> Hey, they'll take it. Look, um, I don't know. If, uh, I, I'm not so surprised that it dropped by two points for Baker because the fact of the matter is Case Keenum hasn't started in what four years, and I, I, I like Case Keenum. Don't get me wrong. I think he can come in and and do his job and fulfill it fine in this offense. Um, I 
I am looking very hard at these two running backs that they have. I'm familiar with Duranis Johnson because he played in the AAF for the Orlando Apollos and was actually pretty good. Um, and was pretty good in, in uh, keeping their run run game steady. I know Demetric Felton from UCLA, and he was very electric um, as a running back and a wide receiver. Um, they you can use him in the flex, which I think is really dangerous. And I think yeah. so, something like that for fantasy value, which I've actually picked him up because of that very reason, um, will give options for um, <clears throat> for the Browns to kind of experiment with. Now. I still, I mean, the look. The point is, end of the day, I don't trust the Broncos, and I haven't trusted no. them first. I mean, we 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 were on that wagon early on, and we've been validated ever since. And I didn't feel it when they went to Pittsburgh last week. I mean, it was tough because of the situation with the Raiders, but I mean, they showed their they kind of showed their true colors again. And I don't really see it getting much better on a short week at the Browns, despite the Browns being so banged up. I I still think Kevin Zavansky is going to have a really good game plan with the limitation. Yeah. Now knowing what the limitations are with this offense, I think he knows what to plan for. And I think he's going to do that. He's going to be able to work around it in a way that I think they're going to be fine. And I do feel confident in covering, having them cover. I think this is the Kevin Stefanski game where he gets to show the world and the organization and Baker that he can win without that guy. And, and you don't need to pay him all week. I've just been hearing, well, who, well, who are you going to get then? Uh, Case Keenum. I'm fine with him. In fact, I'm fine with pretty much anyone else but him. Like I, I oh, but uh, Baker uh, Mayfield. I don't. I don't understand it. I, I, <laughs> I. These guys, I think, are a lot more replaceable than people think. There's a. There's never been as many good quarterbacks in the history of this game. I think at one time. I mean, maybe not uh, in the top end of so much. You know. Top end is obviously incredibly strong, and there's other years with where the top ends were, you know, just as strong or maybe stronger, right? But as far as like one to thirty-two, I don't think we've ever had as many good quarterbacks as we've had right now. I'm fine with taking a chance and not paying him. If he wants to test the market, go ahead. You're not getting anywhere near the kind of money you think you're going to get. You better take some more commercials, bro. I just think this is the opportunity for them to prove that they don't need that guy. So I'm really intrigued by this game. I will say, I do think Baker is a better version of Keenum, but I do think he's, he's pretty much lost his leverage at this point. And um, I don't know if he's getting it back. The thing is, I don't know who they're going to go out and find that will be of the value that they want to have in their, in their lineup. That's the only problem Um, because finding a top 10 guy isn't that easy. Um, Maybe, you don't need a top ten guy for this what? club. No, uh, I, mm, he, I don't he's know. not if even they, a if top. They want to be, I don't even. If, if is they he even a great. top twenty guy? Yeah, I, I guy. think, yeah. I think he's barely a top twenty guy. I think he's better than Jimmy G. I'm going to say that right now. I, I, I would take yeah. him. Over Jimmy G. I, I think yeah, he, he, he operates, but he operates at about fourteen to seventeen right now, and that's like that's average, but. I, I think the thing is, is he's trying to overcome. The problem is he's trying to, he's doing the same thing that he did two years ago, where he's trying to overcompensate for his, his skill set because he knows he's in a contract year. If yeah. he just played like he did last year, I don't think we'd, th- this would be a humongous problem. But the problem is I think Baker gets in his head sometimes of how well he has to play because he's constantly thinking he has to look over his shoulder which in some ways he's correct, but other ways I'm like, if he just settled down and didn't try to 
force it. If he just won his games, if he just won his games, yeah, it wouldn't matter. And I think that's something that Keenum, I do believe, understands. He understands yes. that he can play within himself. That's I and, yep. and that's unfortunate because I because I, I think that Baker, if he just was sat down and and told or at least made to believe, like, look, we understand you're very passionate about winning and wanting to make plays, but here's the way that we're going to win th- these games, and this is how we need you to play. And again, I thought he was getting that last year, and he seemed to, yeah. but he's reverted back to what he was doing two years ago, which is just, it's frustrating. And I, and I think it's unfortunate cause it's going to cost him. It might cost, cost him his job eventually. Um, now I'll save the Browns a ton of money, obviously, but um, yeah, I, I don't uh, know. He, he just, he, I, he, I think, I yeah. think play the field, man, play the field. The NFL is starting to turn into a little bit of the NBA where these players get disgruntled and they want to leave. I, I I would play the field and take your chances. And if you know what, you don't get something better than Baker and you get case Keenum fine. I don't really see that. It's that big of a drop off. And like you said, you're getting somebody that understands his role and is going to play within himself. Right. If Baker actually just did that, he probably would get the 30 million or whatever, you know, that contract is, he probably would get it just by playing within himself and, and winning like he's supposed to. Right. He yeah. probably would get it. So he's kind of doing it to himself. Yeah, there needs but, uh, there needs to be last thing I'll say is there needs to be a serious conversation about to these quarterbacks and the reality with these agents, which there won't be, but there should be in terms of yeah. look, here's your skill set. Here's what you can do. Can you do what these other guys do? Can you do what a Dak no. does or a Herbert or a Mahomes? Can you do or no. or a Allen or a Watson? Can you do what these guys do? If not, then there's no discussion then here. No. Like that's yeah. the bar. And, 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 but they, that's not how they think. They think, well, I'm next in line. That would happen with Goff and that happened with Wentz and it's going to keep happening until someone gets stopped. But it's always the next guy up Bob. instead of what can you really do? <laughs> like that, yeah, that, that conversation, that's I don't know. Thing. I don't know if it's being had enough in this league. Well, these teams are, are too scared about like, well, what are you going to, how, who are you going to replace them with? Right. And I would just say, I don't know, but I'm going to wait and see and play the field. Because I don't think it's worth – it's not – look what happened to the Ravens. They didn't do jack shit until after they got out from under Joe Flacco because they paid him too much. Yeah. Well, that, well remember what, remember what it was like. Remember what they it was like before Joe that. Flacco. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. And I understand. Right. And look, he did his job. He, he won a Super Bowl. He had a great run. Right. But, like, was it worth it? No, it wasn't. Because no, you know what? They had so many good players that like they couldn't pay. And I they had a lot of lost years, in my opinion, because they were stuck with Joe Flacco. Right. So I, I just I, these teams need to have a little bit of fortitude and, and take a chance here. That's just what I think. But then again, I'm also not the one handing out millions of dollars. So what do I know? Um, all right. Moving on Sunday, 10 a.m. Bengals at Ravens. Ravens minus six and a half over under 47. I'm going Bengals to cover here. Now I'm not going to bet on them to win or anything like that, like money line stuff, but I'm going to, I'm going to take them to cover getting six and a half points for the Bengals seems way too high. Also definitely slam the over on that 47. I think is going to be a high scoring affair. Uh, I think it's going to get to at least, you know, 50 or more points total. Um, now I know Baltimore's defense look really great against your chargers, but I really like Mixon here to be a handful for that defense. Burrow's going to do his damage. The question for me is how well will they be able to 
cover Jamar Chase, right? I would guess they would put Marlon Humphrey on him would be my guess. Mm-hmm. I don't think putting a safety in another corner on him is going to be the right way to go. Now, as we saw last week, Belichick was able to take away CD lamb for most of that game against the Cowboys. Right. But in the end, that fourth quarter, you know, those last drives there, they were able to get it to him. And that kind of was the difference. Right. So my question is, can the Bengals get the ball to chase? If they can, they'll definitely be able to cover. So, and I, I expect them to get it to him in some significant moments. See, I'm not sure. Cause Marlon Huffy has been really good this year. I mean, he shut down Mike Williams. I, I think, I think they can, they can try and maybe it'll work better in the second half. I think the first half he's not going to get much leverage. This is you where won't. Joe, no. And Burrow is going to have to get creative. I, I, I think what they're going to try to do though, like you were saying, I think they're going to try and use mixing because look, you can run on yeah. this Baltimore defense. I'm, Yep. I'm a little surprised the Chargers didn't try doing that a little bit more. Granted, I know their right guard towards ACL the week before, so maybe they were trying to find fluidity in that. But the thing is, is that I think you can run the ball on them. And I think Mixon is a great candidate to do so. I yep. I I I was very hesitant about this going into it maybe a week ago because I thought, man, I don't know if I trust the Bengals yet. And I think they've been playing very well and within themselves to the point where I we'll give them a chance to cover. I, I will say I'm not super confident, in it, but I'll say, I think they can cover. And I think like you were saying, it was going to go over, but look, if they get slapped around by the Ravens, I'm not going to be surprised either. Cause that's, what's been happening recently. So we'll see. But I, I think they've been playing very well as of late and they don't seem to be as afraid or, or completely just mm-hmm. at a loss at playing their, you know, bigger brothers or bigger opponents recently. Yeah. Uh, so Baltimore, they're three and three against the spread right now. So, mm. you know, it's not like they're, you know, crushing it right now. Like Dallas, they're six to no. Okay. Yeah. Arizona five and one, you know, Baltimore, you know, they played, they played a lot of close games, a lot of close games, you know, and now they pulled out, you know, some big ones, but I, I just think to be giving the Bengals six and a half is quite a lot, especially yeah. in division. If if I had to pick a winner, I still think the Ravens win, but we're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, could they cover seven points here? I don't think so. I think it's a lot. Um, I just, I, I think it's, I, I do think it's going to be closer than what people think. And my, and I, I, I feel a, a little more confident that that's not going to be like, I don't know, 35 to seven or a complete shutout. Um, I, I do think the Bengals are going to be able to make more happen than they have in years past, but again, we'll see. I might, I might just be proven wrong again and be fooled. Yeah. So these two games definitely are my most intriguing, uh, degenerate Palooza games. Now the next couple they're in my degenerate uh, trifecta or Palooza here, but they could be easily bridged to nowhere games. Uh, 10 AM chiefs at Titans chiefs minus five and a half over under 57 and a half. Both teams have terrible defenses mm-hmm. despite Tennessee doing what they did to the bills on Monday night, obviously great effort, but they're not a good defense. Now I see this definitely as a shootout type game. So hammer the over, but I like the chiefs here to pull away, but not cover and I have the Titans cover here. Casey's only four or sorry, two and four against the spread. Both were against Washington and Philly. Surprisingly, the Titans are actually four and two against the spread. I like the chiefs to win. I, th- I think though that they don't cover. I'm going to be bold and say that also the chiefs win uh, and they're going to win because Titans miss a field goal. 
I'm going to say that right now. I think it's going to be a really, this is going to be a really just out. Like this is going to be, if you're a defensive minded person, don't watch this game. And I think there's going to be a lot of mistakes. There's going to be a lot of turnovers and mistakes too, on both sides. Uh, I think, I mean, Mahomes has been turning it over more often. I think Tannehill is probably going to throw a pick or two, uh, some weird stuff. This game just, there's uh, going to be a lot of wild play in this game. There's going to be a lot of broken plays, a lot of broken tackles. Um, Tyreek's going to run around like crazy. There's no one that can cover Tyreek. I don't care if they double team, they can't cover Tyreek on this Tennessee secondary. Um, And I think that's going to be a huge problem for them. I, I, it's, I think the chiefs know they have to win this game because they're going to be in serious trouble if they're three and four, like they're playing, they're going to be desperate. I think they're going to win this game. Titans are going to feel good about themselves coming off that Monday night football game, which they should. I mean, they built beat a great team in the bills. Um, but I think they're going to let slip a little bit and the chiefs are going to squeak one out. Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a wild game. Poll question uh, over under four interceptions total in this game. I'll say, I'll say under, I'll say three. And I, I think two by Tannehill and one by Mahomes. I think Mahomes will be cognizant enough not to throw more than one turn, uh, one pick against the secondary. Um, he may fumble. Although he hasn't really had fumbling problems. That's more been the running backs and the receivers this year. Um, yeah. But I think he'll be better about taking care of the ball in this game. And again, I think there's going to be just more opportunity to make plays um, against this Tennessee team. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It, it, but that could also lead to more turnovers because Mahomes has been playing like he's on the Texas Tech teams where he has no defense again, which is why he's been making these mistakes, in my opinion, because he's trying to force the ball. Um, yeah. So we'll see, but I, I think yeah. opportunity will be presented to Kansas city to win this game and they will do it. Yeah. I, I definitely think it was really funny seeing when they were losing to the, to the dead skins, people were like, Oh my God, they're stuck with this 10 year contract. What are they going to do? It was like, what? Wait, people turn, like, yeah. People turn their heads real quick. Huh? I'm just kind of like, why are we turning on Mahomes so quick? Look, I love killing him cause he's in my division, but like, Look, man, are you kidding me? He's still like the best quarterback probably in our division anyway. And you have yeah. Herbert and I have Carr. I mean, look, those guys like Herbert's better than my quarterback, I think. And we'll get to Carr in a bit. But like the guys won a Super Bowl. He's been in two Super Bowls. Um, he's not the problem. Um, yeah. I think the problem is terrible defense. Their running, their running game has gotten better since Clyde got hurt. This Williams guy they're using now, he's he's better. Um, I think people have also figured out you take away Tyreek and they're not as dangerous, you know, like obviously Kelsey is still a monster, but like you kind of let him get his, you know, and it's more of a methodical game and Mahomes yeah. doesn't like that methodical game. He doesn't play like that. So they're going to have to adjust in the off season, but also mm-hmm. like, let's just be honest. Andy Reid's not really having a great season right now. <laughs> like a no. lot of these older coaches are pretty not doing very well this season and also just seem very sloppy, including Belichick, like just not great. And Pete Carroll, I'm going to talk about him in, in a minute here, but these older coaches, they're not doing great. And then you got your, your Brandon Staley's who, you know, right now is the golden child right now. Uh, yeah. Rightfully so. 
Well, think about it. Like think about all the great young coaches that are doing what they're doing right now. You got Matt LaFleur five and one Brandon Staley four and two leading the division. Um, Cliff, I can't believe I'm saying this cliff Kingsbury. Who's even six and oh, and his, his with his team, he um, doesn't count. He, he doesn't care. He shouldn't get, he shouldn't count, but like, and I know I shouldn't count him, but like, I think young, uh, I'm not into La, La fuck as uh, Lombardi says, I'm not into him. I get, I know you're not, but I like him enough. And I think he's still a young coach, but the thing but the deal is, is that these young coaches are having success and they're at least getting some yeah. things that seems to be over the head of some other, of the old stalwarts, the Belichick's, the Reeds, the Carol's, uh, I mean, definitely Mike McCarthy, like all these people, like there's yeah. certain things that they at least seem to get or understand a little bit in some ways. I'm not giving them all, like, I'm not saying I'm singing the praises of the younger, all the younger coaches, uh, McVeigh, the other one, sorry, he, you know, five, yeah. and one, obviously, like, yeah. obviously, but like, the, I don't know. There just seems to be some sort of understanding of what uh, situationally, what they need to do. I mean, the NFL is changing and it's been changing. And I think it's been an ushering in of the new, Everyone wants to talk about the quarterbacks. I want to talk. I, I think we should talk more about these coaches. Honestly, we could go a whole pot about this because there's a lot, a lot of decision making. We were talking about in the fourth down earlier too uh, that uh, I could trace through all of these people and all these coaches um, of what's going well, on. So we'll but, leave this in the recording. But as a sidebar, I thought of uh, an idea. I just didn't know when when we should do it. But uh, I wanted to do an episode. We're going to call the Blue Chips, and it's basically we're going to look at every. 32 teams, their head coach, their defensive coordinator, their offensive coordinator and break down. Like, are they a blue chip or not? Where do they rank? What tier are they in? That kind of thing, you mm -hmm. know, because like, I feel like a lot of these games, especially even with the spreads, sometimes it's just looking at the coaches too. like, okay, uh, if I have what's his face from uh, Tampa Bay, the defensive coordinator, um, Todd Bowles going up against some like rookie <laughs> offensive coordinator. I really like that matchup for Todd Bowles, right? Sure. You oh, know, yeah. stuff like that, you know, or class. I mean, I don't know anymore because uh, it's a different situation, but you know, like the most of our life, like Andy Reed coming out of a buyer week one, like always just crushed it. Right. Always mm -hmm. covered, always won, like impeccable record coming out of a buy, you know, stuff like that. Right. I'm going to keep saying it. There's a couple of coaches we're going to talk about. Coming up, they're in and out of the the blue chip category. Yeah, yeah, it might there might be some changing of the guard that's been going on, and especially this season, it feels like it's been. Um, yeah, <laughs> it just it feels like it's accelerated. Yeah. All right, five twenty p.m. Sunday night marquee Colts at 49ers. 49ers minus four over under forty four. Give me the Colts to win and cover. I I feel real strong about this one. We talked about the Colts at the beginning of the season and, you know, it looked really bad. So bad. I was kind of feeling a little out on them, but they're starting to find themselves. The Colts um, the last two games are really starting to find themselves. I really like Wentz's performance to continue improving. Um, keep leaning on, on Taylor. Who's been a beast the last two weeks. 49ers really feel mostly like a defensive team right now. And they're really deficient on offense. No Trey Lance this week. It looks like he was limited or uh, he didn't even practice today. Um, looks like we're going to get limited Jimmy GQ. I'm not liking the look and the feel of the 49ers right now. Just watching them play. And I've, I've watched them play a, a couple times the last three weeks here. Also, let's be honest. I don't think they've had a lot of good drafts on offense the last couple of years. They've really missed a lot of those guys are not even finding the field. If you actually go look at their draft picks now, obviously in early on in the 
Shanahan tenure here, they've hit on some players like Samuels and Kittles and those guys. Mm-hmm. But if you really look in the last couple of years, they really haven't hit. I think it was maybe before week one, I was the one on this podcast that said, I thought Trey Lance was going to be a bust. It's probably too early to say that, but he looks real raw. I mean, he should not be out there, right? Unless they have no choice, obviously, right? But he really shouldn't be out there because even basic plays and basic looks, he looks nervous and he's throwing like the hardest football in the game right now, you know, and it's not because he just throws hard and he's wild. I I think he's nervous out there. I, I just think it's too fast for him. It's not his fault. You know, they drafted him, but he I don't think he, he he's he's just truly a project. He's a year away from being a year away. You know what I mean? Like, really, their offensive line is a huge problem. Um, I like the Colts to win on the, def- you know, on their defensive line and I like their offensive line to hold up. Uh, give me the Colts here. Well, I'll say this. I mean, we've basically nailed two, at least two things early in the season that I really felt confident us in say one was we didn't believe in the Broncos. The second one, the second one though, is we said about week two, week three, we said, you know, we said, we'll check in on the Colts after week five. Like we both knew that it was going to take some time for them to gel. And yeah. I've seen, look, I've seen it. I know they lost that game at Baltimore. They looked better. They looked better on offense, looked better looked better on defense. Um, the biggest thing for them is getting Jonathan Taylor going. My God, he is starting to really hit a stride. That has been yeah. awesome for them getting that run game going. And I mean, he had 116 receiving yards at Baltimore. Like he, he even in the past game, he's been really dangerous. Um, they, they must be, lean on him, Andrew, to win. They must yeah. lean on him. Yeah. And I think they will. And I think they understand where they're at as far as they're on offense defensively. I trust them. And especially against the 49ers who I just don't know what, I mean, look, the fact that the 49ers keep having different players score touchdowns is great. I guess sure it shows off their death, but like, I mean, <laughs> from following like them on fantasy, it's a maddening project to figure out who, who in the world is starting at running back or receiver for them on a given basis, because I don't know what, what they're doing with their personnel, but besides Debo Samuel, you know, he's the only consistent one there, but I, yeah, I just, I have no idea what they're doing as far as their operations. And I don't, I don't trust Jimmy G. Like you said, Trey, like he needs to be in the batting cage. Like I said, he has to get more reps and you know, some of that's going to be game reps and games. He needs an off season program because he's young, he's young and he's raw and this is going to happen. I just think the 49ers are just really discombobulated on offense. And I don't think that's going to serve them very well in this game, especially yeah. against the Colts team. Their defense has also been playing, playing much better too. I mean, they've been starting to come on as well. And I, I just, I, I like this matchup a lot for the Colts. And I think they, yeah. they, they're going to try and I think they're going to be able to prove it on Sunday night. So yeah, I give me the Colts and also to cover. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. This is one of my favorite ones on here. This is true degenerate, uh, degenerate Palooza Monday night, 5 15 PM saints at Seahawks saints minus five <laughs> over under 43, two, <laughs> two primetime games in a row for the Russell Wilson, the Seahawks. But, uh, look, this is pretty easy, but I'm picking this one for a couple of reasons. So saints win and cover. Give me the under this Seattle team managed to cover against the Steelers. That's obviously a very deficient team in the quarterback area. I think the Steelers would have easily covered if they had a quarterback that could actually deliver a pass longer than five yards, you know? So say what you will about Jameis, but this is a crab leg defense. Okay. He's going to eat them up and they don't seem like the Seahawks on defense. They don't seem to know what coast they're on or what time zone they're on. Pete Carroll. I think they need to get rid of him. Like after the season, 
they they need to get rid of him. They got to move on. They really they need a new they need a new face in there. I don't think the the I don't think the players really are connecting with him anymore. He's mm-hmm. certainly not a blue chip coach. Just as like game management and stuff like that. I think it feels like things have passed him by. Like I don't know what more evidence we all need. That guy. I think it's time to move on. I really do. Especially if you want to keep Wilson. Because if they're going to choose Pete over him, he's out. I'm telling you. And he might still be out because maybe they'll be rebuilding if Pete leaves. But I think it's time to move on from Pete. He's not a blue chip coach anymore. Um, I'm betting Seattle to lose every game from this point on. Maybe not to, you know, not cover every game. But I, you know, until they get Wilson back, I don't expect them to win a game. And Sean Payton, he's still a blue chip coach. Strong defense this year on the Saints. Give me the Saints. Jameis versus Geno, man. That's that's a headliner. I think I remember trying to see. A, I I was trying to see. A, I was trying to see a promo on Monday night earlier um, on ESPN. And I don't even think they showed any game footage because one, it's like, well, let's see. Hmm. Do we have any archival? Fo- oh no, because because oh Drew Drew Brees retired. Okay. Do we have any archival footage of? Uh, Let's see. Because we have Russ. No, no, he's not playing. So it's just like they, I feel like they just had no answer um, for what the show for promoting this game. Um, I like the Saints. I I actually like them in general, not just because of their matchups. I I actually yeah. like their team. And um, look, Jameis is erratic here and there, but I think he gives them enough of um, firepower to be able to overcome certain hurdles. And I I like I I like what they have on their offensive line. Uh, obviously Kamara is playing well. He's always an asset. I trust that they're going to just, like you said, they're just going to maul this defense. Like they're going to eat them alive, but they might get near 500 yards on Monday night. I really do believe that in, in Seattle, mind you, which used to be a yeah. really scary place to play. It is not. Anymore. It hasn't been for many years now. It hasn't been. I mean, in terms of getting shootouts, maybe, but that's thing. They don't even have that with them, but just, you're not scared to play there anymore. I really don't think no. so. And, I, I think that's a testament to what's happened there as far from personnel standpoint, from, as you were saying, just Pete Carroll's scheme just is not clicking anymore. This is not working at the same level that it used to. Um, and I think the disciples of that scheme are starting to figure that out themselves. Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn, I think, have been starting to figure that out. Yeah. And I I really do think that's unfortunate for him. It's very interesting you bring up that quandary of who do they pick him or him or Russ. I mean, obviously you go with Russ, but it's amazing that we, they've honestly gotten to that point, um, to be quite frank. And I don't know. They they have to they have to basically say, look, from an organizational and structural standpoint, we're gonna have to rip this thing open. They have not really had answers since Paul Allen died. Um, and I just think they haven't yeah. been able to really operate the same way. Uh yeah, this this might be really an ugly reckoning for the Seattle team um, going forward. Um, so, but anyways, give me the saints to cover and I'll say over. Um, I think there'll be enough points from them and maybe from Seattle that they'll figure something out, but it's not going to be mm. pretty from them. And the Seahawks no. are going to be, they're going to be in a lot of trouble um, come this off season. It, th- things don't change. Yeah, I think that I think this coaching thing, this organizational thing with Seahawks, it's a long time coming. Yeah. All right. Bridge to nowhere. And I feel like this game is only getting the bridge to nowhere because of a certain team in the mix. 
105 p.m. Sunday, Eagles at Raiders. Raiders minus three points, over under 49 points. Raiders, Raiders, Raiders. Give me the Raiders to win and cover. Give me the over. The I stand car era is here, Andrew. This is Derek Carr's team now. Um, it looked that way this past Sunday. Um, it's been a long time. I felt excited about the Raiders like this. I felt like we were in the driver's seat, literally, with Carr the whole time. Uh, he was in command the whole time. He has a confidence about him. My dad uh, likes to say he doesn't smile anymore and looks all happy. He looks serious. He looks angry. He looks in charge, finally. Um, I like his I like his moxie, man. I like the cut of his jib. But I will say, I think the best Raider right now is Max Crosby. Um, you shared that tweet with me about his pressures. Now I try to research, you know, his pressure stats, but um, I'm not paying for PFF stuff and all that. But he's on pace for 115 pressures. Now it does feel like an unsustainable pace, but nevertheless, you know, it would be a remarkable achievement. Even if he cracked a hundred, it's never been done. Hundred pressures in a season, but I mean, even if you take away 15 pressures from him. I mean, it's an unbelievable run he's having right now. And him and Ngakwe together are, they're a great duo and they mask a lot of problems that we have in this defense. This defense is still overall not very good, but because of the pressure that we generate every week, that's really what puts offenses in a tough spot. Uh, I mean, it forced all these turnovers on Bridgewater this last weekend. And I know he's not, I know he's Teddy two gloves and he's not that special, but I mean, was like what three picks? Like it was, it was a lot, you know, and it didn't come cause he played bad or made bad decisions. He got pressured. He got hit. I haven't heard his name, Max Crosby for defensive player of the year at all, but I feel like he's probably it's arguable. He's the most valuable defensive player for any team right now. You know, maybe not the sexiest one, you know, or the flashiest one. And certainly digs on Dallas, you know, certainly is worthy of the conversation. No doubt about it. But I don't know if he's as valuable as Max has been to to us. Welcome to the Gus Bradley show where we rely solely on the front four to do everything for us. Yeah, um, that's exactly yeah. what that's exactly what they do. Um, I mean, look, when he had Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram operating at a high clip, it worked when it, they didn't or they were out. Things kind of went south. But um, yes, Max Crosby is having an incredible season. I'm going to relent and say he's probably having an all pro season. At first I said, eh, probably a pro bowl. Now I'm like, no, he's having a great season. Him and, and Gawkway have been a really devastating one, two punch from both yeah. ends, both ends of the line. Um, so if you keep getting that, or you're able to get some sort of semblance of that most of the season, then yes, that'll help the, the Raiders tremendously. Um, my question is, do you think the, this is this uh stand car era? Is this going to last as long as the last one? Cause uh, I know, I know it's um it's a bit of a rocky boat with him most of the time. You know, I texted my dad and I haven't told you this, but I know who I want our coach to be. Um, he's not an offensive. He's not an offensive guy. So I'm going to give you that clue, but he's currently in the league coaching. He's not an offensive guy. I'll give you a chance to guess who you think I want. I know who I mean, I've, I've never wanted for since Monday. Uh, Wink Martindale. That's exactly the guy I want. <laughs> I want, and look, Gus Bradley, I know he, you know, we know what he does, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's obvious what he does, but it's working right now. 
and we have a good basis to start with. I like Crosby and Gogboy. We have Thomas, Solomon Thomas. Um, Perryman's played pretty good for us. You know, we do have some guys, but we, we have to, we need to diversify our defensive portfolio. What I saw the Baltimore Ravens do to your charger team. And it's not a, that's a smart team over there, right? The chargers, I think hmm. they're smart top, top to bottom. Well, GM down, not owner down, but GM down. Thank smart you. team, right? <laughs> Herbert for the first time as a pro, he, he looked confused. He did not. I don't think he knew what the fuck he was seeing out there. He looked real confused and sure. You could say he was also playing flat. He was, I don't think he understood what he was seeing out there. That one fourth down that went really bad. I think a lot of that had to do with pressure, had a lot to do with just, I, I don't think he really got what he was seeing. And I think his receiver may also have potentially ran the wrong, wrong route, but I mean, they did a number on the chargers on Sunday. I also just don't understand how Wink Martindale hasn't gotten a job as a head coach yet. And I, this, this feels like the time. This is the guy I want. I want that guy leading our team. Um, as far as our GM, I don't know. We'll see. I want to keep our offensive coordinator. I think Greg Olson works for us. And I want Carr and him running the offense. And I want I want Martin Dell running our team. I don't know, man. Uh, breaking Bradley's heart is uh, it's a tough sell. <laughs> yeah. Tough sell, man. I don't know. That's gonna that's gonna that might break that might break the whole team up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, you, you think you think it'll break his heart if we try some cover four and some cover two? I, oh my god, he'll <laughs> he'd rather walk out of the building. Send a blitz? What? What? No, send five. Are you out of your mind? You know, before we get into the poo fecta special here, certain teams are starting to not run blitzes anymore. What's your feeling on that? Because I, you know what, I'm not really into running blitzes. Maybe creatively sometimes, like the Ravens do, and that's why I want Martindale. But it's always strategic and smart, right? When they yeah. do it, if you don't know how to do it, don't do it. Just rush the four, you know? I So what's your philosophy? Be spe- uh, like be specific in your blitz packages and have a specific reason for why you do them. If you just send blitzes, just send blitzes, you're going to get torched. And especially in this day and age with how crazy athletic quarterbacks are, you also don't want to be rushing too far off the field because then they kind of just sidestep the pressure and they run around because we also have that. We also have extremely dynamic athletes who will do that to you. Um, and I think you have to be smart in how you contain that pressure. Um, look, the greatest game plan I've seen was actually from Gus Bradley when Lamar was a rookie and it was that playoff game where he basically disguised eight guys in the, in the back end, And Lamar was completely flabbergasted by it. Now he was a rookie and he hadn't learned yet, but it completely yeah. flummoxed him. I think there's just certain ways that you, you disguise your coverages and where you put, um, how you pinpoint pressure. Uh, I think you can blitz it just, again, you have to have a very specific purpose for it and how you do it and disguising it. Um, don't just do it because it's like, Oh, we have to, cause it's third down. Yeah. I, I I'm with you. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. The Seahawks do this with Jamal Adams, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and it, it, it never fucking makes sense. I just don't, it's not his fault. You know, he's being asked to do it. But I mean, this makes no it makes no damn sense. All right, let's have fun. Poop fecta special, Andrew. 10 a.m. Panthers at Giants. Panthers minus two and a half over under 42 and a half. What you got? All right, guys. It's Sam Donald's return to New York. Kind of. Um, 
I would I wonder if he's just gonna have PTSD walking around in in, uh, oh. in the Meadowlands. Um or in uh excuse me, MetLife Stadium. Um uh, but man. Oh my god. He'll be seeing ghosts again. No, I think uh I, I feel confident about the Panthers, even without McCaffrey. Um this Giants team is just so broken. Yeah. Um I I man, they're they're completely shot. It's gonna be this is really interesting because it's also Matt Rule who they tried to hire. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. they tried to make their head coach. Um, they try to hire. Also, him, yeah. yeah, but also also another little tagline there. But um, yeah, no, I give you the Panthers. Um, oh boy, that over under. He yikes. Um, I don't even want to touch that. I don't want. I don't want to touch that. But I'll take the Panthers. Yeah, I got the same here. Give me the Panthers to win and cover. I got the under. Uh, 10 a.m. Washington at. Packers, Packers minus eight and a half over under 48 and a half. What you got? Um, well, I cannot wait for Chris Blewett to miss a field goal this week. I am so excited for this to happen. Um, yep. That's at the, the legends back, baby. I, I, and Blewett misses again. (laughs) Oh man. I, I, it's amazing. He's the guy that beat, by the way, that's the kicker who beat Clemson uh, Deshaun Watson's year that he won the championship game. That's the only team that beat them was, was Pittsburgh was the Peter man and Chris Blewett. If you, oh my if you can God, believe that it. was the Peter man. Yes, it was the Peter oh. man. It was Chris Blewett from Pittsburgh. That was the only team that beat him that year. You know, what's hilarious. You know, it's hilarious. So when the Raiders won in Denver this past weekend, like cars is kind of sitting around on the bench, just hanging out and Mariota's there. He's off IR. And then right next to the car sitting on top of the bench, not on the bench seat on top of the bench, fucking Peter man in like Adidas and just like in sweats, just like, Oh my God. And uh, I just said, I just said to myself, it's like, ah, we Hey, look, we spotted the Broncos. We didn't even activate Peter man. <laughs> Couldn't handle it. It's like, Hey, listen, I, we spotted you. We spotted you. No Peter man. I bet they could. I wish they could. I bet they wish they could trade for the Peter man. Oh God, he might actually be better than Bridgewater. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He might That's be terrible. better than Drew. He might be better than Drew Locke. I'll, I, I'm not afraid to say that. So uh, we're taking we're taking the Packers to win and cover, right? And the under. Uh, we um. Yeah, I'm going to go with the over because I still think their defense has trouble. By the way, they signed Whitney Merciless today, which is a big upgrade for their pass rush. So that's that's something to look out for. Um, I I I still think it's going to be over. Um, I weirdly enough, I don't think they cover, but I think it's going to be some backdoor action. Um, but they're going to be in control this whole game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Washington defense has no answers. Poopfect the champion of the week. Falcons at Dolphins at 10 a.m. Falcons minus two over under 47 and a half. I don't know which channel this is going to be on, but I'm sure everyone's going to fucking get this game for free. Uh, what do you got? Maybe the Food Network. I don't know. Um, but I, I, uh, you know what? Over I actually. TV. <laughs> yeah. Right after the, maybe on HGTV with, uh, right after the Property Brothers. Um, look, how yeah. about. I, I'm actually going to go with the Dolphins. Insanely enough, I can't believe I'm saying this. I know I'm crazy. No. I'm crazy. Yes, I'm going with the Dolphins. I think they're going to pull off some nonsense this week, and they're going to just lose their minds and try to throw the ki- kitchen sink at the Falcons for no good reason other than to just get off the Schneid. I'm I'm serious. I think they're going to win right. this game. It's well, crazy. This, I know it's it an interesting insane. game now. 
I I swear to you God, get, I think they're going to win this game. Yeah. You get a drug test. I probably uh, should, but I I, 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 I don't know what throw, I don't know what's in my through system. the kitchen sink game. Yeah, well, they already threw the kitchen sink game at the Raiders and it, it failed. Almost got us, but it failed. Um, they're starting Tua, which I'd rather see Tua than Brissett. Um, say what you will about Matt Ryan, I still think he's a better quarterback than any of those other guys on Miami. Um, yeah, I just I think I actually think the Dolphins are a broken team, and if they don't, I guess we better bring this in now. We just found out today that uh, John McClain from the Houston Chronicles reporting by the end of the week you could see uh, Deshaun Watson traded to Miami. Um, I was having an interesting conversation with my girlfriend about it, who's not a big football fan, but she's I've told her about the saga and because you know it's kind of like a even if you're not a football fan, it's a story of interest. Mm-hmm. And I said to her. Okay. Well, how does this league who has handled everything terribly and wrong for the most part, how are they going to handle when Miami trades for Houston and they're going to start him? I'm going to say it right now. They're going to, oh, they're going to try to start. Oh, they can. What straight does, up. Yeah. What does the league do? They're going to fuck it up. They that's, have to, that's they, what have, they have to suspend them. Can't they, they can't let this happen. They have the to. only thing, they can't suspend him because he hasn't committed a crime. He the only thing they can do is put him on the commissioner's exempt list. Okay, well that that yeah that basically they have to. There's only the only way they're going to be able to do. They can't. After what happened this last two weeks, there's they have to. Their their reputation is to throw players and coaches under the bus, anyways. So, I feel like they're going to put him on the exempt list. There's no way. There's no way they're gonna let them play, play him. There's absolutely no way. I don't know, man. I don't know what they're gonna. You know what? I don't know what they're gonna do. Like, and then, okay, if you put him on the exempt list, how long is he gonna be on the exempt list? Till the end of the year? What? You know, till the, till the trials roll by, probably. Till that all. So let's itself. let's look ahead. Let's say the trade actually does happen, right? Because the mm-hmm. trade deadline's coming up here. Yeah, November. Let's 3rd, say the trade, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say the trade happens. Week eight, Dolphins at Buffalo. So, oh, I mean, it's a 10 a.m. game, but, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do, man. I don't know. Just mm. file that one away. File that one away. All right. Why don't we continue with our Poop Fecta special? Um, 10 a.m. Jets at Patriots. Patriots minus seven and a half over under 42 and a half. What you got? Um, pray for Zach Wilson again. Uh, the fact that he's had to go face the Patriots. He that happened to him. The four interception game happened to him in his own territory. Now he has to go to New England. Like the Jets have figured anything else out. Uh, this is going to be awful. Um, I think Mac Jones is going to look good. I really I'm starting to like Mac Jones a lot. Um I think, oh, I mean, he's played, yeah, he's finally, huh? Finally. Well, look, man, I didn't like him in college. I didn't really care for his skill set. I just think on this specific team, he works. And I think they've, and in fact, I can't believe I'm saying this, but there's been times where I'm like, I wish Bill let him throw sometimes when he wouldn't let him, which is, I can't believe I've gotten to that point, but 
Like I still, I still think that fourth down against Tampa Bay should have, he should have let him throw it. I really do. And I, I think Mac is out of all the rookies that obviously has completely outshined most of them. I mean, fields, you know, is finally getting his opportunities and he's also being told what to do. So that's hard to judge, but compared to the guys that were taken in the top, you know, the top five. And mm-hmm. although, you know, Lawrence is starting to come around, I think it, that's also not his fault, but um, you know, Mac yeah. Jones has been put into the best situation and has looked really good. So I think he's going to have a great game and the jets. Yeah. I think, I think Patriots cover the jets. I have no answers for this team. Are you kidding me? What if, what if the 49ers had drafted Mac Jones right now? What would that team look like right now? Because to me, they'd have a winning record and we'd be talking about them as a contender. I think Mac Jones, it's not just, I don't think you can just say it's situational anymore. Cause I actually think he's playing well in spite of bill and Josh McDaniels. I actually don't think they've been doing that great of a job. Um, to your point, I think that bill's actually been more, has been too conservative. I think they got to let him loose a little bit more. They got to let a, they got to trust him. I actually think he's not only just a fit for the system. I actually think he could help most ball clubs in the NFL right now. And and here's one thing I'll say about him. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not like a super technical, you know, I'm not like a coach or I don't know this stuff. I look at that guy's feet. He's a machine. He always, he has perfect footwork. That guy, perfect footwork. Ball's always accurate on time. I, I think that guy, I think he's a stud. And I actually think he's the only reason why the Patriots even have a couple win. If not for a couple of plays, they probably would have two extra wins right now. Like that team, I think is like we were talking about with the Colts, right? I think this is a team that's coming along probably at the right time. I know they've had some some tough losses, but let's look at their record real quick. Okay, so they get they get the Jets. That's a win and cover, right? Mm-hmm. We're thinking win and cover. Okay, they get the Chargers. Okay, might be a loss. They get the Panthers. I think that's winnable. They get the Browns based on the injuries. Could be winnable. Falcons, Titans, Bills, eh. Colts, eh. Bills again. Jags, Dolphins. They have a they have an opportunity to to get it straightened out here. I think they do. Yeah, uh, I mean they're in these games. I just I think Bill's been getting in his own way this season. I agree. And I think that's been the biggest I problem. Agree. Yeah, I think they've been in these games. I mean, they had it's not Mac Jones. He's been the good thing about the team. Yeah, no, their game plan against Tampa Bay was perfect up until that field goal attempt straight up. Yeah, Uh, agreed. Yeah, and I I think that was detriment that the Cowboys could have shot their own foot, which they tried to, and it almost bit them in the ass. And then Trayvon Diggs became a hero and then he became a goat and then uh, then Jack saved the day. So that was just all kinds of wonky. Um, that was really yeah. just a backwards game at the end, but, um, yeah, I mean, this Patriots team will be in these games. It's just, can they finish? Can they get to the finish line? And can bill finally trust Mac to do something? That's the case. That's, that's my question. I will see. Um, he has to do that first. I, I feel like Belichick got outmaneuvered by Dak in that game. Dak actually out, out thought him which um, I actually think Dak is going to help most of the other teams he's going to play this year. I feel like he is, uh, 
Like maybe after Brady, maybe he's the most cerebral quarterback right now. Like the guy's winning with his mind and his obviously his athleticism, but the guy's like killing these other teams with his mind. I feel like so. Anyway, I'm actually looking forward to talking about him next week. All right, the poop fact the train continues. 105 p.m. Lions at Rams. Rams minus 15 over under 50 and a half. <laughs> Go ahead. Wow. Wasn't it minus 12 at one point? Am I am I imagining? No, wait, it was 15 and a half. You're right. It was 15 and a half and went went down to 15. Okay. Um, what, what was the line before the uh, before the Jared Goff speech about that he uh, needs to step up? Oh, uh, <laughs> probably it probably went from 12. It probably went from 12 to 15 and a half. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Oh man. Uh, I mean. This I, this could be another bloodbath because the Rams did it to the Giants last week. I I don't like 15. I feel like the Rams will win by 14, not by 15. So technically the Lions will cover, but they're going to be outplayed this entire game. Um, this is this Rams seems operating very well. Matt Stafford, I'm sure he you know he won't make a big deal of it, but like I'm sure he wants to have a outstanding game against this yeah. team on Sunday. Um, so yeah. I, I just, I, the, the, the Detroit just doesn't have the personnel to deal with all these receivers. Um, this is going to be a track meet for the Rams, but yeah, I, I'll actually say the Lions cover just cause that's a big line at home. That's really tough. Yeah. I like the Rams at home covering here, so I'll, I'll take the Rams and I'll take the over. Obviously wouldn't bet on any of this, but uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll take the Rams. All right. one twenty-five PM bears at Buccaneers bucks minus 13 over under 47. What you got? Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and take the bucks to cover here. Um, I, I think, I think they're, huh? Never mind. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, you're fine. They're all their offense. I mean, you know, bucks are just doing buck things. Um, Brady looks great. Uh, and his receivers are making plenty of plays for him. Uh, they're putting up numbers. They're just, it's basically, they're just making buckets basically. Um, defensively. I wonder if they finally start to come around in this game. And I think they might uh, just cause I think the bears present a matchup that they can finally start to get some of that pressure in um, getting some of their secondary back is also a big key. Um, I will go ahead and say actually the over on this, but I do think the bucks cover and this is going to be an easy home win. Uh, I actually like the bears to cover here. Um, I think they obviously still lose, but uh, that defense is pretty, it's pretty stingy. I think it's going to be under. Um, and uh, we've seen in the past that the bucks, you know, a, a very mobile quarterback that runs around a little bit can give them a hard time. So this might be a, a time to let, to let Justin Fields run around a little bit, but yeah, I expect the Buccaneers to win pretty comfortably. Uh, all right, one twenty-five p.m. Texans at Cardinals. Cardinals minus seventeen and a half over under forty-seven. What you got? Um, I hope Houston's ready to get railroaded again because that's what's going to happen. Um, they're going to get absolutely demolished by the Cardinals at home. Uh, I look, and I think the most impressive thing for me with the Cardinals, I will say, is that Kyler Murray doesn't have to run for them to be successful. He's not been doing no, that much. Less. Least. They're running He's less. Running less now. Yeah. He's running less probably parts to protect him because, you know, you don't want your shoulder, his shoulder going out again. 
And two, I mean, these receivers are ridiculous. I mean, this receiving core, uh, the fact that like there are times when DeAndre Hopkins can play second fiddle is is disgusting. Uh, I think yeah. that this receiving core has been incredible. Um, give me more Rondale Moore, please. I want to see him get the ball more. But um, yeah, I yeah, I, I'm going to go with the over just or sorry, excuse me, the under because I think the Cardinals win like I don't know, 38 to three or something like that. Like they're going to just demolish the Texans. Um, and man, I hope Houston gets Tyrod Taylor back because at least he deserves to get his job back and try and play again. I feel bad for that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got the cards too. And uh, I thought the Texans would be able to cover that big spread. They were up against last week, but man, they just got demolished. It's they're They're very up and down, obviously. And uh, they're not a good team. And we know that, but They've definitely fought hard every week, and it's just, you know, this past week, they just got crushed. That's actually it, man. That's it for the Poop Fecta. And um, any any final thoughts here before we uh, call it a night? Uh, no, man. I think uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend, as always. And uh, thank you, as always, for having me on. Yeah, man. Always. Um, I'll catch up with you over the weekend. Uh, we'll see how these games go. All right. I'll talk to you later. Take care.